All right, everybody, welcome back to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. We are here on our continuing series of the best video games of 1981. And today we are going to be discussing Ms. Pac-Man. That's Ms., not Mrs. Not Miss. Not Pac-Woman. Not Crazy Otto. Not Crazy Otto. That's for dang sure. Not Crazy Otto. All right, let's get into it. This is an interesting one. Yes, few video games in history reached the status that Pac-Man, the original Pac-Man, achieved. Yes. Because not only was it a big hit in the video arcades, but because of this character, the first hero in video games, the marketing potential was out of this world. Yes. You had... Pac-Man shoes, you had Pac-Man lunchboxes, you had Pac-Man watches, you had Pac-Man toilet seats, <laughs> which was a perfect thing to have, I think, if, you know, looking at the way the seat works with its open and closed, perfect to make that a Pac-Man. That's it. Pac-Man cereal, Pac-Man cartoons. Yeah. Did you watch the Pac-Man? Yes, I did. And I ate the cereal. And it spawned a multitude of sequels, but the first of those was Ms. Pac-Man. And so the question is, you've got this thing that is the biggest hit in video game history. How can number two beat it? It's hard. Yeah. But Ms. Pac-Man manages to pull it off. Yes. And we will get into the differences and the improvements on Ms. Pac-Man versus Pac-Man and why she's better than he is in a little bit. But first, a little bit of history. So we talked about Space Invaders being a huge deal. Yes. Another big game at the time was this game called Missile Command. Do you remember Missile Command? Heck yeah. Missile Command had been developed by Atari by this guy named Dave Thurer. He had also developed Tempest, which was a huge hit for 1980 slash 1981. Right. little weirdness with Tempest there and how exactly that falls, uh, which is why we didn't include it on our list. Right. But someday we will return to Tempest. Yes. But anyway, he created this game called Missile Command. And there were some MIT students who had had some success with pinball machines in the dorm rooms. Guy's name who started this idea was Doug McRae. And he put a pinball machine in the dorm. And of course, people loaded their quarters in and he got himself enough to buy a second pinball machine. Uh huh. And within... Uh, just a couple of years, he's got pinball machines. He works with his buddies. They put pinball machines in every single dorm or like 20 different places. Yep. They realized the potential that regular video games are having. And so the first game that they buy is this game called Missile Command because it's a big hit. Okay. So they're enjoying the benefits of Missile Command, but then they start to see that their money is slowly getting less and less, which is a problem because that's how they're paying for their tuition. And their beer. <laughs> and so they realize that the, that guys are getting good enough at Missile Command that they can play for a really long time on just one quarter. And part of the fun of playing a game is not being able to beat the game. You keep coming back for it. So they have less interest and they have people spending more time on less money. That's a problem, right? Right. right. But what do MIT guys do in those situations? They solve the problem. Heck yeah, they do. They solve the problem. And so what they did, they looked at it and they're like, okay, what are the problems that we have? One of them is that there's a pattern here 
that's too easy to figure out. So what they do is they spend spring break 1981 creating a little conversion kit that just plugs into the circuit board that already exists and missile command and essentially create an entirely new type of game similar to missile command but it's got color it's got better explosions it's got more random stuff it's got more speed all kinds of improvements that they figure out on the game and all of a sudden the the quarters start coming back in and i think wow this is actually making us a lot more money i bet all of the arcades out there who have Missile Command would like our system, and so they sold it to them for $295 a pop. Nice. I mean, it's a pretty easy sell when you go, hey, look, the game that you got that's making 10 bucks a day will make $30 a day if you put our little conversion kit on there, and they rename the game Super Missile Attack. They sell 1000 Wow. They sell a thousand within two months. So suddenly they've made over a quarter of a million dollars. And these are just guys in college living in the dorms in 1981 money. That's fantastic. It's crazy, crazy money. And so not surprisingly, they all drop out of college. (laughs) And they start their own company called the General Computer Corporation. When I hear that name, I just have to think to myself, these guys were trying to avoid being noticed. Yes. Right? I mean, how mundane and boring a name is the General Computer Corporation. But it didn't work. (laughs) They got noticed Uh by that little company I mentioned just a bit ago named Atari, Uh who was none too happy that they had taken Missile Command and changed it into Super Missile Attack and not given Atari any of the credit or any of the money. I could see that. And so Big Bad Atari decides to sue Tiny Little General Computer Corporation for... $15 million, also 1981 money, by the way. (laughs) So these three guys, these three three college guys get the lawsuit and they go, this is the coolest thing that has ever happened. (laughs) (laughs) It makes makes the papers. It makes the magazines. Doug McRae's dad calls him up and says, number one, are you going to win this lawsuit? And number two, if you don't, do you have $5 million to give (laughs) to this guy? Yeah. And he says, I do not have $5 million, but it is okay because we are going to win. And so they fight the big fight, except that Atari is smart enough to realize that they don't have a sure win. And what happens if they don't have a sure win? If they lose, it sets a precedent. Yeah. Which most Americans probably know we have this thing called precedent in the law, which says if it's been decided before, you have to follow what the old decision was. So if some court says, hey, it's okay for these guys to come in and modify your video games, that means flood the market. It's going to happen to all of the video games. So Atari decides to settle. Uh-huh. Part of the settlement is that the college guys agree that they will not do any more conversions on video games without the manufacturer's consent. Well, during this litigation, all of which is happening again in 1981, they were still doing conversions. They were still making conversions. Sure. And what, of course, was the most famous video game that they decided to do a conversion for? Pac-Man. Exactly. Wow. So they make a conversion kit for Pac-Man. Which they call... Crazy Auto. Yes. 
Have you seen Crazy Auto? Yes, I have. Pac-Man with legs. It literally is the same game as Ms. Pac-Man, <laughs> except you have Pac-Man with legs, mm-hmm. and instead of ghosts, you have bubble creatures, the right. gremlin type of things. It, it was a very, very um, paltry conversion as far as the uh, graphics go, but as far as the gameplay goes, next level. Yeah, uh, yeah, fantastic. The legs are weird, but other than that, it's Ms. Pack awesome. Yes, it is. So at that point, have already they've got this conversion for Pac-Man. Yes. But they've settled a case swearing that they will not do any conversions without the approval of the developer of the game. Yes. Well, Atari didn't develop Pac-Man. Right. Pac-Man was a Midway game. And so they call Midway... And they say, listen, we had this lawsuit with Atari. We kicked their butt. We're going to kick your butt. It's, it's, a, it's a secret settlement. It's a confidential settlement, a confidential agreement. <laughs> so there's no way for Midway to know what happened. They just bluff their way through and they say, listen, we've got this conversion. We think it'd be great, but we need your permission or, you know, we can just go through the lawsuit process and we're going to go ahead and beat you too. Right. Well, as it turns out, Midway was actually looking for Pac-Man 2. They were looking for it. They had been waiting on Namco, and Namco was dragging their feet, and Midway got impatient. And so when these guys come to them with this new game, they're like, you got it, love it. And Midway and General Computer Corporation form an alliance, and together they create Ms. Pac-Man. Now, technically, the Pac-Man name is owned by Namco. Yep. Midway is just the distributor. In America, yes. In America. And GCC makes the agreement with Midway. Right. That comes into play a little bit later. Uh, Yeah, because (laughs) Namco sues the pants off of them. Now, Doug McRae says, I don't understand how Namco sued us because they were involved in the process. They got together. They took the legs off. They decided to make it a woman. Right. There was a there was a lot going on that he says the president of Namco was writing us back and forth and giving us ideas. I don't know how in the world they got to they weren't a part of this agreement. So unlike Pac-Man, yep. this character has lipstick and a bow. And a bow. Yes. And a mole. Yeah. And an eye. A mole like Marilyn Monroe. Yep. Well, that mole makes her super sexy. Oh yeah, Miss Pac-Man is hot. <laughs> Other differences, you have four mazes yes. instead of just one. Yes. You've got the pink maze, the blue maze, the light blue maze, the brown maze, and the dark blue maze. You chase fruit rather than fruit being stationary. Right. It hops along. you got to chase it. You've got multiple warp tunnels. Yep. Instead of just one. Just one. Right. Uh, you're going after cherries, strawberries, oranges, pretzels, apples, pears, bananas. Yep. The ghosts, and this is a huge deal, the ghosts, at least a couple of them, have random movements, which means you can't do some sort of pattern you can't like you just could do with the, the original Pac-Man. That's right. Which was a big deal because it meant more people were shoving their money in and not playing as long, which is exactly what Midway was looking for. Also, the orange ghost is no longer Clyde, but Sue. Right. When she dies... Uh, Ms. Pac-Man does not like circumference out and explode. Go into infinity. She she, she just does a little spin and fall. She swoons. Yeah. Yep. 
Yes. They have new music and new cutscenes. The cutscenes were a lot of fun. Absolutely. At the time, it's like, I'm watching a movie inside my game. Right. I got to this point. Yep. And the new music had a lot to do with how fun those scenes were. Yeah. So here's something interesting on the music. It's iconic, right? We can play it for you now. So the composer of this music is a guy named Naoki Higashio. Okay. Supposedly. Yeah, absolutely. His name appears on a credit, but other than that, I can't find him anywhere. Interesting. So we've had this fantastic music. It's kind of like the poster for Fright Night. It, it, the guy's name is there, but nobody can confirm that he was actually involved in the process. It's just like this random credit of a guy that nobody seems to be able to find now. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And such a huge part of the game. Wow. I remember when I saw Ms. Pac-Man for the first time. Yeah. So this is the honest truth. I went to a arcade called Wizards in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yep. There were so many people around the game. I could see the cabinet, but I could not get close to the screen. And I finally, somebody came out of the crowd and I'm like, what did you see? Yeah. And he's like, well, it's like Pac-Man except better. I'm like, well, tell me, you know. <laughs> right. He's like, well, she has a bow and lipstick and an eye. (laughs) And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. It was next level excitement. You were excited about the bow? I couldn't wait to play this game. I saw it and I'm like, I'm a little kid. I'm there with my older brother. Right. Um, And I'm looking at him like, this is the same as (laughs) Pac-Man. And he says, no, there are no patterns in this one. I was like, oh, Wow. And then I'm watching and the maze changes on level three. Right. And I was like, oh, wow. Different level. Yep. That night, literally, I had no prayer of playing that game. <laughs> like, I saw the crowd and thought, I don't care about playing it. I just want to see it. Yeah. And I didn't even see it. This game sold over 115,000 cabinets in the 1980s. Did you ever see the one that had the speed button? No. Like you could speed up and slow down? There was a, yeah. So there are some versions where you play normal speed. There are some versions that are high speed. Yeah. And then there's one that you can regulate your speed with a button. Oh, I've not. No, I haven't seen that one. I think if I remember right, the original that I saw back in 81, it was regular speed. Yeah. Regular speed, just one joystick. I think the high speed didn't come until later on. But to me, that's the only way to play. High speed? High speed is the only way to play. I'm with you. Yeah. All right, D, have you ever seen the Friends episode where Phoebe gets Monica and Chandler as their wedding gift a stand-up Ms. Pac-Man arcade game? Yes. Chandler has the claw. He plays eight hours and he can't move his hand. And, and he uses the high score to put dirty words in there. <laughs> that sounds like something that I would do. <laughs> and so they have to spend all this time trying to erase all the dirty words yeah. because unplugging won't work. Right, yeah, the, the games back then actually had a kind of ROM chip in them that would, even if it went unplugged, you didn't lose your high score. <laughs> and so in an attempt to erase the dirty scores, Phoebe spends a lot of time and... Fails. No! Fails. You son of a- and so right as 
<laughs> Ross's son, Ben, walks in. She unleashes a just a torrent of profanity. <laughs> a flood of curse words. A storm of cussing. <laughs> oh, that, that episode's really funny. It is. We used to have a free video game arcade thing here in Norman, Oklahoma called Top Dog. Sadly, it did not it did not make it. It was a hot dog place and yeah. they had games. They had games that you could play for free. They had Galaga, they had Ms. Pac-Man, they had Donkey Kong. Zaxxon. Zaxxon, and what was the one that you sat uh, down to play? Moon Patrol. Moon Patrol, that's right. Yep, that was a lot of fun. Sorry to see you go, Top Dog. We, we miss you. Yep. This was one of my favorite games of all time. It is listed as one of the greatest games and one of the most successful video games of all time. Yeah, it's the Empire Strikes Back to Star Wars. It is. It is. It really is. All right. So that does it for this episode. We've got more in the series coming up. So be sure to join us. In the meantime, D, I'm going to go play some Crazy Auto. And (laughs) we'll be here next week to talk to you about another game. Defender. Defender.